Hey, this is Max from the Arkells, and you're listening to Underground Sports Philadelphia. We are all set. What is going on, everybody? Welcome into episode number 536 of Underground Sports Philadelphia, live from Underground Studios. It's KB. It's Matt. We've got a lot to dive into from the fills. Is the sky falling? Is it just May? Is it still too early? Who knows? We'll get into all of that. We'll get into uh, the Sixers coaching search. Is it going to be Nick Nurse? Is it going to be somebody else? Uh, obviously, Jimmy Butler. One win away from heading to the NBA Finals to take on Nikola Jokic and the Denver Nuggets. We'll get into the Philadelphia Union. We'll get into Survivor 44 as we are recording. Uh, It is Wednesday night, so finale night. We'll get into our finale predictions. And by the time you're listening to this, you'll already know who won. And we'll be on to Season 45 in the fall. But before we get started, uh, be sure to follow us on the socials. At Underground PHI Twitter and Instagram, Facebook.com slash Underground Sports PHI, Twitch.tv slash Underground Sports PHI if you want to watch every Wednesday night show live with myself and Matt. And of course, follow Matt on Twitter at Matt Castorina. Follow me at KBIZZL311. Subscribe to the podcast feed on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you decide to consume your podcast. We are there. Leave a five-star review. It does go a long way for helping more people find Underground Sports Philadelphia. Helps more people find all the shows on our network. So go subscribe, leave a five-star review, and go subscribe to the Underground Sports Philadelphia YouTube channel, youtube.com slash at Underground Sports Philadelphia. That's where you get full video episodes of this show twice a week and every show on our network in full video form. You get clips, shorts, live streams, interviews, the whole nine yards in video form on our YouTube channel. We surpassed 500 subscribers last night, so we met our goal six days ahead of time, which was fantastic. We are currently sitting at 503 subscribers right now. The push to 600 and beyond uh, is underway, and obviously we're on that road to 1,000 subscribers where we have a ton of stuff planned across all of our brands uh, once we hit 1K on the YouTube channel. So go subscribe, leave a comment, leave a like. Smash that uh, like button, ring the bell icon, and subscribe. Be a friend, tell a friend. YouTube.com slash at Underground Sports Philadelphia. And this show is presented by the city of Vineland. And whether you're a company looking to expand, relocate, or are a new business startup, selecting the right location is critical to your success. Vineland, New Jersey offers both an affordable business location and an excellent quality of life. The city's economic development department is a one-stop source for moving your project through the development and approval process. Their goal is to make the process as smooth as possible and to provide the fastest turnaround times in the region. If you are considering potential locations for your operation, contact the Vineland Economic Development Team at 856-794-4100. That's 856-794-4100. Vineland, New Jersey, where it's always growing season. A big thank you to Maine Auto LLC, Security 21 Security Systems, Paul J. Gillespie Incorporated, and the Dental Wellness Center of Vineland for their continued support of this podcast. What's going on, Matt? Living the dream. Philadelphia Phillies uh, escape with a a salvaged series against the Arizona Diamondbacks. It's brought to you by our merch partners at PHI Apparel Company, the best in the game. We are uh, closing in on on dropping some brand new merch for you guys, so stay tuned for that. Uh, Heading into the summer months is Memorial Day. Right around the corner this weekend, and PHI Apparel Company provides unique designs and high-quality clothing for the great fans of Philly. With their original designs for all, there's no doubt you'll stand out in the crowd. Our listeners can use promo code UNDERGROUND for 10% off any apparel when you shop online at phiapparel.co. That includes all of our podcast network merch. I know it's you know coming out of hoodie season, but you can always get a hoodie, shirts, and we're working on new merch like I mentioned 
so go to phiapparel.co and use code underground for 10% off any and all merch orders. Phils win the game that they weren't supposed to win uh, as they beat the Arizona Diamondbacks with Zach Gallen on the mound that takes extra innings, but they get the job done. Salvage the series. They lose two out of three to the Diamondbacks. They're three games under 500. Uh, Trey Turner, is, is he coming to life? Hits a, a game-tying home run uh, in the bottom of the ninth inning with two outs. It just feels like, you know, this team, when one thing is on, the other thing is completely off, and then it just completely switches one way or the other. I think it's time for us to accept that the Philadelphia Phillies are not a good regular season baseball team. And they might never be one. <laughs> like they're just not good at this. They're not good at dominating over the course of six months, and they they haven't been in the last three four years. It is um, and it's one of those things where the season started. You didn't have Ranger Suarez, so your your rotation was not what you expected it to be. So your bullpen was used a lot more um, than you anticipated. Jose Alvarado's injured right now. Uh, you had to send Andrew Bellotti down. Uh, to make room for for Covey, who came up and pitched very very well uh, during the bullpen game on Tuesday, but you know this rotation hasn't had one through five healthy since spring training. You know the the anticipation was it was going to be Nola Wheeler, Ranger Suarez. Uh, you signed Taiwan Walker, who has had a a very turbulent start to the season, and then you were kind of I, I think the expectation was you were hoping it was going to be Andrew Painter as your number five starter. Uh, you know, and, and trying to navigate through maybe the first couple of months of, of Bailey Falter, which were an absolute disaster, to say the least. Team hasn't had consistent pitching. The the hitters have been either completely cold or it's been one or two guys, and that's all that have come to life. Um, you know, at this point last year, through the month of May, and obviously this was with Joe Girardi at the helm, but Phillies went 10-18 and 18 in the month of May last year. So the month of May just has not been been kind to them over the past couple of seasons. I don't know if it's, you know, this team is just a, a warm weather team and they're, they're waiting for, uh, you know, June and July to, to really kick in. And we've obviously seen that throughout the course of Kyle Schwarber's career where June is very kind to him with, with hitting the long ball. And I, I just don't understand some of the, the lineup construction from Rob Thompson recently. You know, Trey's been struggling mightily. Um, and you continue to put him at the top of the lineup. Like I, I get wanting to let him hit through things and, and work his way through it, but at some point you got to put somebody at the top of the lineup that's going to get on base for you. I don't care if it's you know continuing to have Bryson Stott out there and, and trust these young guys against you know same side of the 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 mound pitching. I, I don't understand the continued like scaredness of putting Brandon Marsh in the lineup against the lefty. Dalton Guthrie has had, you know, a couple of hits here and there. He had a, a great defensive play the other night, but I, I'd much rather just have Brandon Marsh playing every day as long as he's healthy um, and, and getting quality at-bats for you and, and working his way through left-handed pitching. So I think something you hit on earlier, too, is is important. Is I, I really think the Painter injury, you know, they were kind of not banking on him, but I think he was a big pillar on, like, the – the first few months of the season and how the Phillies expected to sort of plan and his injury and it's still unclear when he's returning I think threw a little bit of a wrench into the Phillies plans and that's compounded with other injuries to bullpen and you know Ranger Suarez gets injured too and he's like definitely had a slow comeback he's not come back to his usual form but we saw that last year too in the mm -hmm. first few months of the season even when healthy he didn't have uh, kind of the end of the season that we we uh, were hoping was going to become the norm for him just feels like these are the same problems the Phillies have had the last few years. Like they're just the inconsistency, guys going hot and cold. Uh, you know, when the, when the pitching is on, the hitting is on. like this is it's the same stuff over and over again. And that's so why I think they just maybe aren't good at the, at the regular season. And maybe it is just about limping to the playoffs. And from there, you can hope that your your stars, like they did in in the fall, you know, hit well and you get good pitching, and that's that's the recipe. But I just I don't see this team one I I don't know that they have the depth really you know across the board to be like an Atlanta right that is just able to steamroll and sort of very machine like work their way through a regular season I just don't know that they have that and it's I, I think that's what makes the Phillies actually this is what I said last year too like, like you could tell me the Phillies actually 
make the win a World Series mm-hmm. rather than make the playoffs just because I think the depth is that much of an issue. But they're top nine, and I think their they're top four pitchers are just as good as anyone, you know, like, in, and that became evident in the playoffs. And I think it's still the same this season, but it does lend itself to these inconsistencies throughout the year where you, you know, you can't depend in a 162 game season on the same, you know, really five core guys to carry you through a year. You can for like a month, but you know, you, you can't expect that to happen from, you know, April all the way, even through June, you know, like, it's just, it's, it's not, not sustainable. It's not going to work that way. And I think that's what you're seeing this year. And it is frustrating. I mean, it's, you know, especially too, because like we say, we'll, we'll look back in September at some of these losses and get very frustrated at that. But that is, again, that has just been the recipe for this mm-hmm. team. Like they've just not, they've never been able to put it together uh, for, for a really, really long stretch. You know, like we've seen this team going like hot streaks, like 10, 11 game win streaks, but um, they've never had like dominant, dominant months and dominant, you know, continuous success in, uh, in the, the regular season. And, they had a, a good stretch under Rob Thompson last year, but even that, you know, there was like there was hiccups in there too. You know, it's it's easy to forget. So, yeah, they they just have not been a consistent regular season team, uh, really in the Bryce Harper era, and I don't I don't see that changing. And I think too, like, kind of expected Bryce Harper's back that it was gonna like paper over, and that was just gonna carry us through, and it hasn't. And I, I think it's still it presents the same problems that it did in the second half of last year. You know, where it's like, you know, it does kind of cap your flexibility a little bit. Yeah, and I mean, I think the biggest takeaway, and that's why this weekend upcoming and this next 10-game stretch is so important because not only is it 10 straight games against the NL East where divisional games are, are 10x'd this year in terms of importance um, if you want to compete in your division. Phillies have been a bad road team this year. Yeah. They are 14-10 and 10 at home, uh, which is, if I'm not mistaken, best win percentage uh in the entire division uh, at home on the road. They are the worst road team in the division by far nine and 16 on the road. The, the sweeps at the hands of the Dodgers, the Rangers, stuff like that early in the season have, have kind of haunted them now where you're getting to that, that first checkpoint of, you know, 162 game season where you're sitting at 23 and 26. And I think the one silver lining of where the Phillies are right now is, Outside of the Braves, the rest of the division has been lukewarm at best. You know, the Marlins are playing well above expectation, and they're one game under 500 right now. The Mets are one game over 500, and the Nationals are eight games under 500, where the Braves are 10 games over. And luckily, you know, hopefully the, the trend continues where we talk about it all the time, where up until last year, the Marlins have had the Phillies number, but somehow the Phillies have found a way to really play well against the Braves uh, during the regular season. And the Braves are 12 and 12 at home this year. So they, they've been average at home. They've been far better on the road somehow. Um, but hopefully, you know, that, that trend for the Phillies continues where you go into Atlanta and you're able to, at worst, hopefully, you know, split a, a four game series this weekend. We'll see. I mean, the, the next like week and a half is really important. It's, it's a big uh, divisional road trip. And I don't love starting it off against the Braves. I, I just think that could obviously set a really bad tone. But. Yeah, this has kind of been the the series is that we've been looking forward to. What is the plural? I guess series is already plural. Yeah, but that's a weird one. Um, But this is these are the games that we've been looking forward to uh, for the last few weeks, just because we really haven't played a lot of divisional balls so far, and this is who you're really competing against. Uh, Especially you know a team like the Mets is a team that you could very much be jockeying for position in, in the wild card come this fall so getting uh, early season wins like they were able to do over us last year mm-hmm. uh could be could be really really helpful to your cause and it doesn't come at a great time for the phillies but also you know listen like nothing is going to come at a good time for you right like it's just you kind of have to to adapt to the season as it goes along and listen i i, I think that they have the capacity to, to do that but again i i think i think we're just going to have to get used to maybe being a little frustrated by this team from april to september like i i think everyone kind of wants it to be the you know utley you know rollins howard era of like this team is pencil them in for like 95 plus and you know enjoy the ride and lots of lots of good times through the regular season there's gonna be a lot of frustrating moments and i think the team is 
and listen, baseball's also gotten a lot better too. And mm-hmm. like, especially even within the division, I think the division's in a better place too than it was uh, during the Phillies like premium heyday uh, during our lifetime, at least. And um, you know, you, I think you could even say the NL as a whole is probably yeah. probably better in that regard too. Like um, standards are higher. Like it's easy to forget that's ten years ago. Think of just the advances that have happened in every aspect of the game in ten years. So. It's never going to be as easy as it was, and I, I just I don't know this team is going to be cruising to division titles and um, you know again ninety five plus win seasons ninety win seasons like it's this team is going to be at the the mid to high eighties and that's just I think what we have to to accept. Yeah, and I mean, looking at this weekend series against Atlanta, the one like benefit on paper at least for the Phillies is the rotation kind of lines up the way you want it to. You have Nola going on Thursday, uh, you have Taiwan Walker on Friday. You have Zach Wheeler on Saturday, and then it's kind of a to-be-determined who your starter is going to be on Sunday Night Baseball, which that one, good luck, Spencer Strider's on the mound. (laughs) Um, But everything else is kind of breaking in the Phillies' way on paper. Braves haven't announced a starter yet for Thursday's game. Uh, They are throwing Schuster on Friday, who's 1-2 with a 5-4-9 ERA. And then on Saturday's game, it's going to be Charlie Morton, who's 5-4 with a 3-6-1 ERA. Yeah. So, I mean, it could be worse in terms of, you know, seeing Strider not until the end is, is nice, but the Phillies got to take advantage, especially with their bats, against the the lower end of the, the Braves pitching rotation that they have out right now. And and that's kind of been the the antithesis. Like, the whole thesis of this team is, like, they, they're going to outscore you. Like, yeah. that's the the way to win is, you know, the, the best defense is scoring – a gazillion runs a season and they just haven't been able to do it hopefully today Trey Turner hitting that home run is the spark for for him finding his approach at the plate um and I mean the the young guys along with Bryce Harper since he's come back have been the ones kind of carrying this team like Boehm, Brandon Marsh, Bryce and Stott have been some of the most consistent contributors for this Phillies team through the first two months of the season yeah absolutely we we've sung their praises all through the the first few months here and they have uh, carried a lot of water for us, and that's that's a great thing to have, you know, um, because without them, I <laughs> I don't know where we are. But, yeah, I think offensively, obviously, you know, that's what, again, carried this team through the playoffs even, you know. Like, there were, there was good pitching, but it was it was clutch hitting, uh, which is, again, not what we've seen out of this team. Mm-hmm. Um, and if we can remember, too, clutch defensive plays by, uh, you know, Gold Glover, Nick Cassiano. So, which we have seen a lot this year. We have. we de- Definitely a little bit more engagement with him this year, so. Yeah, I think if they, they do have a good opportunity, like you highlighted in the first part of that Brave series, to, to maybe get out a little bit of a an edge. But um, I, I think uh, I think I'm much more looking towards that Mets series as like that's the competition level yeah. for the regular season that they, they they really need to focus on. Like if you ask me which series I'd prefer to win, uh, it would be the Mets series, mm-hmm. just because I think you know that's more where our our season is going to end up is competing with them for you know second in the division and probably the, the third or second wild card so that's that's where the aim is of course you know division would be great but i just you know which is why this diamondback series was so important because they are in second place in the nls they are the number one wild card team and if you were able to take two out of three against them that would have been an ideal thing to have in your back pocket you know come august and september it's like hey we have a tiebreaker over the diamondbacks we we just the NL West this year has just given us problems. Outside of the Rockies, mm-hmm. even then we had a, a weird Rockies series earlier. Yeah, that led to a five-game losing streak yeah. after the the Harper bench clearing. Right. So, we something about the NL West does not sit right with us. I I don't know if it's uh, bad vibes or what, but um, we have not enjoyed playing the NL West really, uh, really this season so yeah, far. Can we play the NL Central a little bit more? Like, yeah, that'd be nice. Give us something. Although to, the cards uh, have like turned it around a little bit, you know they're. Uh, they're not, you know, amazing, but they've they've definitely turned a corner from where their their season started. They they started to play a little better. Yeah, at least we at least we doubled our win total output against the Chicago Cubs from last season, winning two games out of three, uh, where we went zero and six against them last That's year. That's just unbelievable, <laughs> unbelievable. <laughs> it was awesome seeing that Dansby Swanson still, for whatever reason, just. <laughs> Just absolutely matches. I was at the. Uh, I'm glad it isn't just the Braves uniform. Yes, that is. You know, there's something about Dansby. I was at the the final game uh, with our our season tickets, and it was great to just know that Dansby Swanson still gets booed. Yeah, it was like streets don't forget. Yeah, we don't forget where you came from. Um, 
But yeah, I mean, Atlanta, New York, Washington, 10 straight games um, before you get what on paper is a somewhat feasible opponent. Obviously, the Nationals are not, uh, you know, one of the high caliber teams, but you still can't overlook them. Uh, but to have, you know, kind of an ease back into quote unquote lesser competition to have the Nationals and then the Detroit Tigers at home is uh, that's a nice little start to the month of June. Yeah, absolutely. A little uh, bit of medicine, I think, after a uh, like what three and six road trip or something like that. I, I don't know how many games. Is that it the is. is that the bookmark for three and six, three and seven, four and six? Yeah, something like something that. like that for ten I, games. I think that's three of those wins against the Nationals. <laughs> I, <laughs> Wouldn't shock me. I really like. I I don't think it's totally unbelievable. Um, realistically, I you know you're winning at least one against Braves and Mets. Mm-hmm. And I think you should be winning two out of three against Nationals. So yeah. there, there's your there's your gimmies. I think the f- four is the floor here. Yeah, that you should be doing it's the bare minimum. Yeah, six and seven wins. That's a good. That's that's that, good. You know, that's like, taking the other road in the fork. There. Right, like you're doing all right. You know, if we're talking eight or nine. Now we're seasons. We season are season started. This is the Vince McMahon meme. <laughs> I'm at the the bottom panel. If you tell me we get eight or nine, so um. Yes, I mean, biggest stretch of the season thus far upcoming. And uh, I wanted to, to ask you this because he did pitch on uh, on Sunday against the Cubs on short rest for the first time in his career and actually looked pretty solid. What do you think it's been with Taiwan Walker this year? What do I think it's been with him? In, in terms of, you know, he's had a, a couple of games where, you know, he's gone six innings, has, has done his job. But more often than not, it's been two, three, and obviously his, his shortest start in San Francisco is two-thirds of an inning. What do you think it's been where, like, he just has not been able to find his form? Do you think it's, you know, just the the lack of spring training kind of being thrown right into the gauntlet of the World Baseball Classic and how deep he went into that and then just working his way back? And I, I do think part of a lot of the pitchers that pitched in the World Baseball Classic is getting used to the, the pitch clock, but at this point now, you're – nearly two months into the season where you kind of start to find a groove with that. So I think that excuse is, is almost out the door, but what do you think has been his, his struggle? I'll say this Mets fans were critical of Taiwan, like out the door. Like I think they liked him as a player, like mm-hmm. he's a likable person, but like talked about his inconsistency and we're fine with not paying him what we paid. So I, I don't know that Taiwan Walker's, you know, ever been a hugely consistent, like he's had good seasons, but, um, I think this is just kind of who he is. I think the Phillies were maybe making a, a bet on him finding a little more consistency in his game, but I, I really remember Mets fans not being like too upset that Taiwan Walker was leaving for this price. And um, yeah, I just, I just think that that might be a little bit more of the, the, the player as he is, not as we hoped he would kind of project to be. Um, and, you know, I'm not going to call it like a, a bad deal this early on, but um he has not like inspired me with any confidence. And I will say the last few weeks have been better. Mm-hmm. You know, like it's as the season has gone on, I, I think we've seen more like impressive performances out of him and a little more consistency. And you hope that that builds over the course of the year. But I, I didn't have like high, high hopes for him. I thought he was a decent. And again, this was also when you were kind of expecting Ranger to be healthy to start the year. You know, you think that's, your you number know, four guy. This is your number four guy. That's fine. You know, like I, I think a, a four or five guy is never going to be like dominant. You know, you, again, you're not bringing back the 2011 Phillies rotation. Right. You're just ne- that's nobody's not doing that. Uh, right, and those guys are not going seven eight innings anymore. Yeah. like six innings is a great outing now. You know, like that. That is just it is like the opposite of inflation. <laughs> like where it's like yeah, now like getting five and two thirds out of your starter is like a good night. Yeah, you know, like that is a, that is yeah. a good. If you're going seven. Now. It's like wow. Yeah, seven guy. is close to what a complete game used yeah. to be. Honestly, like that is, it's just it's just a little bit of a different world now. And I think we all have to adjust our expectations. Because just looking at Taiwan's two years with the Mets, um, which are the two full seasons post uh, world shutting down in the short season of the pandemic, he was an All Star in 2021. Um, had a fantastic first half, but his second half kind of you know skewed his numbers a bit. He finished with a four four seven ERA. Uh, and went seven and eleven, and then last year he went twelve and five with a three four nine ERA. Kind of turned some things around. The, I think the biggest thing that 
Phillies fans have to realize too is like Tywin Walker's not an innings eating type of pitcher. He's never thrown two hundred innings in his career um, in a given season. The most he's ever thrown was way back in twenty fifteen when he was twenty two years old with the Seattle Mariners. His first go around one hundred sixty nine and two thirds is the most innings Taiwan's ever thrown. So you got to kind of remember he's a guy that's gonna go like five or six innings at most. Um, but I, I just think the the early inning inconsistencies for him have have been so brutal for just taxing this Phillies bullpen. He he I think is a a pitcher that makes sense with a team with a good bullpen and mm-hmm. I think the Phillies do have a an average to above average bullpen like depending on health and I guess what what moon we're playing under at the moment of <laughs> the way that our bullpen goes but I think in general the Phillies have a pretty good bullpen like yeah. it's not I wouldn't say we have an elite bullpen um you know but I think he's paired well with that. Like yeah. he is a he's a wine that is paired well with a certain type of dish. To look at the 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 five guys that you would want to see coming out of the bullpen on a given night of Strom, Kimbrel, when he's healthy, Jose Alvarado, right. uh Sir Anthony, who has also been kind of Jekyll and Hyde this year, and then Gregory Soto, who's had like three bad outings. Those five guys, if if you have them coming out of the bullpen behind Taiwan Walker, that's a, an ideal situation. Right. I, I think probably an improvement on you know a lot of it it's also easy to forget how bad our four and fives were last year yes um, and that they, we were i mean Taiwan has not been great but we we we're not bleeding games with him like it was brutal last year those uh those last like one or two rotational spots we really had a tough time figuring them out so yeah i i am uh i'm even I'm struggling to remember who they were uh i remember we had um because we uh, replaced one of them with Noah Syndergaard. Right. Well, so there was, God, what's his name? Moore. What? Oh yeah, God, that was last year. Ooh. That was that was brutal. Matt you Moore had uh, and Chase Anderson. Chase Anderson, and then who was it? The uh, Saya, our our Cy Young joke. Oh, Kyle Gibbs. Ky- uh, yeah. Who is pitching unbelievable for the Orioles? This God year. bless him. Well, he had he had a uh, listen. He was Cy Gibson for the first like month for a reason. Um, definitely did not continue <laughs> along that path. But I mean, again, the fact that those names were kind of forgotten in the sands of time already, and how just not great they were. Um, and when I say not great, I mean just stinky, really, really bad. So Kyle Gibson this year for the Orioles, five and three with a four two seven ERA. He wasn't even sniffing that with the Phillies after April. No. He's halfway to his win total of all of last year. God That's love him. Crazy. God love him. Good for Gibby. Um, but yeah, it's it's interesting with Taiwan Walker and just kind of monitoring just the way he has uh, performed. I mean, he had a career year last year. You know, three four nine ERA, below four ERA for the first time uh, since his combined season in twenty twenty between Seattle and Toronto, um, and his lowest ERA. Before that was in 2018, when or I'm sorry, 2017 because he was injured. He only played in three games uh, in 2018. So we'll see what continues with Taiwan, and hopefully, you know that that short rest start, which was the first time he had ever started on short rest in his career, which was pretty impressive too. Um, hopefully, that's the spark for him. You know, kind of finding his touch and uh, being an effective pitcher out of this rotation. But let's get to everybody's favorite segments the nl east and quite frankly mlb run differential which matt i i brought it up on sunday's episode the the bit has gone national buster only was tweeting about run differential across divisions and it's finally good to see that our hard efforts over the last two and a half years are finally being recognized as a stat that should be calculated quite frankly in a, a larger light than some of these stats we put out there for Major League Baseball. Absolutely. Listen, it is it is like uh, there are certain like basketball coaches that say, I only need to look at two or three box score stats to kind of like, and I can guess with like a 90% win rate of, of who won that game. And listen, I think you are a good team. Yeah, like if the the more you outscore your opponents, it sounds very simple, but I do think it's it's something come on in football as well. Mm-hmm. I would say football. I've I've definitely heard of the last few years too. Like people really paying attention to point differential in football is like a good indicator of is this team good? Is this team bad? Like the Vikings. Yeah, I known, think that sparked it. Known frauds. I think uh, you know, and people really use the the point differential as a, as a means of making that point. 
And uh, the run differential segment brought to you by our awesome friends over at Wasted Wedge. More shots, more fun. And uh, we want to tell everybody about a brand new way to drink shots with your friends and family when you're playing golf from our new friends at Wasted Wedge. Wasted Wedge is going to change the way you are uh, you enjoy celebrating drinking on and off the course. Think about your traditional shot ski you had in college at parties. You know, this giant heavy ski that you have to hot glue glassware to, and it's easily breakable. It's hard to carry around. It's difficult to store. Wasted Wedge, it's collapsible. goes right into a carrying bag. Plastic cups, you don't have to use glassware. Nothing's going to break. You can use your alcohol of choice. It's easy to keep clean. And if you're taking it on the golf course, it fits right in the side pocket of your golf bag. Check out their full lineup of Wasted Wedges and merchandise at WastedWedge.com and follow them on Instagram and Facebook at Wasted Wedge. Remember the name, guys, Wasted Wedge and WastedWedge.com. Be sure to follow them on Instagram and Facebook as well and tell them that you're coming from Underground Sports Philadelphia. Matt, the NL East run differential, still the Braves as the only team with a positive output right now at 29-19, and 4-6 and six in their last 10. Uh, they have scored the most runs in the division at 247 with a plus 54 run differential overall. Um, and like we mentioned, they're 12 and 12 at home, 17 and seven on the road. And uh, they're, they're sitting at the top there for a reason. The New York Mets one game over 500 at 25 and 24. Uh, they have scored 209 runs, but have given up 228 even on this recent tear that they've been on. Six and four in their last ten. They have a negative nineteen run differential, and then the stupid class clown Miami Marlins, twenty four and twenty five, with a negative fifty seven run differential, which, if I'm not mistaken, is still the worst run differential in the entire National League. Their expected win loss is eighteen and thirty one right now, and they're twenty four and twenty five. Listen, you know, just trust. It's the trust, Gene Segura effect. Trust the numbers. Trust the pitching. No fraud here. It's all good. They have scored the least amount of runs in the division at 171. Everything that comes out of Florida is totally cool, totally legitimate. It's certainly not a thing with Miami sports teams this time of year, for whatever reason, scoring and outplaying what they what they have been all year, totally defying the odds, thumbing their nose at statistics, and just uh, just modern medicine. I just <laughs> I don't get it. Our Philadelphia Phillies at 23 and 26 have scored the second most runs in the division at 210, but have given up the most in the division at 241 for a negative 31 run differential. Philly's playing above expectation, though. Their expected win loss is 21 and 28. Uh, and then the stolen franchise, Washington Nationals, at 20 and 28, sitting in last place. They have scored 197 runs, given up 221 for a negative 24 run differential. And... Uh, Playing right on on par, they they have an expected win loss of twenty one and twenty seven. And the Mets playing above expectation as well, an expected win loss of twenty three and twenty six. Um, but looking across uh, all of baseball, very few teams in the National League have positive run differential outputs. Uh, and in the negative is the potential Minnesota Vikings esque fraud. Uh, Milwaukee Brewers twenty seven and twenty two, negative two run differential. Um, then the Pirates, Cubs, and Cardinals all have positive run differentials. The Cincinnati Reds at a negative 45. Dodgers and Diamondbacks, only teams in the NL West with positive run differentials at plus 57 and plus 15. The Oakland A's, though. Just unbelievable how they cancel out everything that the Texas Rangers are doing. Rangers have scored 310 runs this year, which is the most in baseball. Um, and we were a good part of that. I'm glad... <laughs> I think we still count for like 8% of those runs. <laughs> they have a plus 112 run differential. The Oakland A's, who are 10-40 and 40 this season, uh, a negative 178 on the run differential marker. You love to see it. <laughs> I don't... Yet somehow, the Oakland A's, who have given up 358 runs this year, they've scored 180, which is more than two teams in the AL Central, being the Detroit Tigers and the Cleveland Guardians, who have only scored 166 and 169 runs, respectively, which is just... To be in that division, what it must be like, the most mediocre division in all of baseball, where your your first-place team is 26-24, and 24, 
doesn't take much to win the AL Central. No, it does not. And then the Tampa Bay Rays have kind of come back down to earth a little bit. They are 5-5 five and five in their last five. They have a run differential plus 107 um, at 35-15. and 15. And the AL East still a, a juggernaut division where everybody is at least three games over 500. Couldn't imagine being in that division. I would end it all. <laughs> I would end it all. So there's your uh, your run differential there. Shout out to Buster only tweeting about run differential as well. It's important and uh, kind of tells the tale if your team is good or if it's not. Um, Matt, Jimmy Butler, I, I don't know about you. I am so beyond tired and so beyond just like over seeing the revisionist history of Jimmy Butler. Oh, yeah, because we definitely chose Tobias Harris over him. That's exactly how that happened. Exactly how it worked. Um, I don't, I, you know, I think it, people have appreciated him and we appreciated him and I wish he was still on the team. It was a bad decision by us. But uh, to me, I don't know. That was like four mistakes ago. Yeah. <laughs> like, it's just like, and I mean like franchise altering mistakes. Like we've had many more uh, mess ups in between mm-hmm. uh, those two things, but I guess it's kind of nice that Boston's going to lose. Um, I would definitely rather see Miami advance than them. Yeah. So there's that. And I, it feels like Denver's probably, you know, probably gearing up for a championship. So I'm cool with it. I, you know, I, I like seeing Boston go home. I, I like hearing their fans uh, fill their diaper about Joe Mazzula and how bad he is and how awesome it is that Doc Rivers and the Sixers lost this team that is like absolutely just collapsed in this series. Like but beyond just like getting unplayed, like they've just mentally just given given up the ghost completely so that's really cool i love it i'm so happy that uh that we lost this team and that we just watched it because get absolutely eviscerated and just not even care because like, they don't care it's like they've they've been to these a bunch of times and it's not a big deal to them it's just it wouldn't be the first time joe missoula uh gets knocked out of a tournament by jimmy butler it's true and i mean it does it get any weirder than that that was one of the more fun Recent memory uh, Sports Center facts, I think, that have been uh, put out there over the past couple of years. Joe put out some good stuff every uh, <laughs> six years, I think, they <laughs> they get it together. Joe Mazzola losing in the NCAA tournament as a player to Jimmy Butler. Um, Nick Nurse, though, uh, apparently meeting with the Sixers uh, as the first of the, the Woj list. And then, uh, according to... Uh, Multiple sources. I think this is just an all-time play by Frank Vogel. Just using Joshua Harris's private jet to fly him to Wildwood for Memorial Day weekend. I just, I'm so uninspired by any of this. I do love the definitely overlapping uh, Wildwood Memorial Day weekend trip. <laughs> like, you just meet me in Wildwood. Hey. That is, like, really far from, uh, just meet me in Wildwood, you know, figure it out. You want to fly me out? Just Come to the shore house. Just truly, uh, truly Instagram model, OnlyFan <laughs> Lincoln bio behavior by Frank Vogel. I love it. It's a power move for sure. Um, it is funny too that Doc Rivers, even after uh, getting fired by the Clippers and then immediately taking a job with the Sixers back in 2021, um, doing the same thing now. Apparently he's a finalist for the Phoenix Suns head coaching job. Whatever. <laughs> and it, it, it checks out because our, our boy Trill, uh, from you know ball, 200 golf courses in Phoenix. I mean, yeah. If there's one thing I know about Arizona, is uh, they take their golf very seriously. So <laughs> we'll see. Talk just to, at the waste management, just absolutely going bonkos with the the Phoenix Suns, and it would be hilarious to see Doc Rivers coaching. Uh, Y'all don't know you bought it. Like, that's <laughs> that's what he's going to be saying. To us. <laughs> Doc Rivers and Kevin Durant seems like a match made in hell. Good luck. I mean, honestly, that is. And then uh, the the last bit of NBA news that uh, I saw on the timeline this week was uh, Pat Bev on his podcast kind of stoking the fire of James Harden returning to Houston. Whatever. I don't care. Yeah. <laughs> like, I'm, just, <laughs> I'm not ready to care about the Sixers just yet. Um, I'm just ready for that whole saga to be Well, over. it is not going to be over for a month and a week. Until we, we get early July. Until till Woj is and starting I, to tweet new adjectives. And I can't wait until the Houston Rockets get fairly punished for uh, tampering, right? 
that's gonna happen. Yeah, nice little two thousand dollars. Mil- Milwaukee and Philadelphia would really like to see that you know the the same consistency in rules applied here. I think, I think I stand with the Milwaukee Bucks in uh, in solidarity on this issue. We want to see results. I think Giannis is right. Actually, you know, maybe like maybe you shouldn't consider the season a failure. You know, what is a failure even? What does that even mean to fail? We want to see a due process deliver results as well, Milwaukee. I just say. can't wait till next year when it's like Giannis Embiid and Jokic are going for the MVP again, and it's like, well, two of the three have a, a title, so you know, maybe we'll give it to Embiid again for pity because he's never going to win a championship. Maybe that's where we'll that's where we'll be. Well. Giannis and Embiid probably won't qualify because right. might not hit that awesome. threshold. So stupid. <laughs> it's the dumbest thing. Just the absolute dumbest thing. Uh, and then, uh, oh, also, I, I also love this on the timeline too because uh, it feels like we're right back in 2018. We're, we're doing the LeBron thing again. No shot. I, I, I think it's, it's people like tongue-in-cheek talking about it, um, but no shot. People trusting offshore sports books as well over He's, the past week. Yeah, it's a bad week for that because I, I I I haven't heard anything about JJ Redick. Yeah, uh, in the there's uh, some disgusting alternate timeline where JJ Redick is coaching LeBron James on the Sixers. I'm telling you right now, I would not watch a minute. I would not watch a minute, <laughs> not a second. <laughs> disgusting, absolutely foul. Um, but from the NBA, that just makes us absolutely miserable to the Philadelphia Union. Matt, it's brought to you by our friends over at Kenwood Beer. A team that knows how to beat a uh, New England, uh, <laughs> New England, Boston area team. Who knew? Kenwood Beer, the official beer of Underground Sports Philadelphia. It's a refreshing light beer, 4.1% ABV, 127 calories, 10 grams of carbs, brand new logo rebrand, kind of dishing out the Philadelphia Union uh, colorway with the blue and yellow. Go to KenwoodBeer.com and use the Kenny Tracker to see who has Kenwood on tap in the Philadelphia area. Buy Kenwood at your local Philadelphia area liquor store or in eastern Pennsylvania, your local Whole Foods. Light body, light calories, plenty of flavor. Must be 21 or older to do so. And please drink responsibly with the best light beer on the planet. Union moving on up, Matt. They are. Um I actually think uh, this this past weekend against New England was one of their best performances that we've seen this year. Even counting some of those uh, uh, Champions League games, where you know it seemed like early on, it was the only time we were getting good Union was uh, when they were playing in the Champions League. But I think too, like they, you know, we talked a little bit about how you kind of have to trust this team is going to figure it out and adapt. And that early last season, you know, that they did not play well, and it wasn't until the summer that they started hitting their groove. And you started to see this team adapt a little bit. You know, they've gone to a new formation. You see them play three at the back this past weekend. And I think that's actually a system that kind of suits the union strengths, which are they have good, not just good center backs, but good uh, in-possession center backs that can hit long balls very well. Um, And they have a a pretty good depth at center back, I would say, as well. And fullbacks in a a three- or five-back situation uh, are afforded a lot more space and you can get a little more creative with getting them open down the wing and you know it's it is a is a style of play that really suits itself to the way that the union have liked to play which is to counter attacking to absorbing pressure and getting out on the break and i think you saw a little little bit of that against new england you know it's it's i i think a a positive sign just on how they've they've maybe started to figure out how to turn this this thing around because i think the diamond this year I'm not going to say it's it can't ever work again, right? But it just felt like, you know, we, we've not had the same consistency and we've not had, and listen, like year on year, you have to adapt and change um, in any sport. Like, you know, teams get a little bit of film on you, start to understand the way you play and are naturally going to figure out ways to take away what you want to do. You have to get a little creative. And I think the union have started to do that, which is a, a positive sign. Like that is, this is what you want to happen. Um, yeah. And I mean, they They've been on a nice little run now, you know, like uh, their last five. They've won four of the last five, one draw in there. I think that's a good way. And you've started to see defensively, too, the team really solidify in the last few mm-hmm. weeks because that was, again, sort of the, the backbone of this team over the last few years has been defensively uh, how good they've been. It wasn't really until last year that they started to hit that big offensive groove. Historic, really. Yeah, and I mean, they've got similar goal output and the exact same goals against that first place Cincinnati has right now right and you're four points back of being in second place in the east yeah and you know we we talked about too like you know 
having the, the, the top seed in, in MLS doesn't mean as much as it did in years past because of the new playoff format, but you still want to have, you know, home field advantage. You mm-hmm. still want to have, you know, that, that is, that is a real benefit, especially for, for Philadelphia and for a lot of MLS teams like, you know, home field advantage is, is a really stark thing uh, in this league more than a lot of others. But yeah, I think too, like you see, see guys that getting on the, the score sheet again and, you know, this team is scoring from open play, you know, that has been an issue for them this season. They, they really haven't been able to create a lot, uh, you know, kind of within the lines, you know, they, they depended a little bit on, on penalties and, and things like that. They had a penalty over the weekend, of course, but you know, like it, it's good to see, you know, that them start again to, to find their groove a little bit and definitely saw some flashes. You know, knowing that was silly, but to, to create chances, which is fine. You know, like it's it's very hard to obviously eliminate an opponent doing everything. Uh, you know, they, they're going to find good opportunities. But I, I do think the Union, you know, this three back could be kind of the sign of, of, of things to come for the season. You know, maybe maybe switching formation up a little bit. Yeah, and I mean, your, your next couple of matches coming up to end the month of May. New York City, Charlotte at home on Wednesday. Um, and then into the month of June, you start off against Montreal, San Jose, Orlando City, and Inter Miami. So, I think there's some winnable matches in there too that'll that'll help you continue climbing up the table um, from fifth place to hopefully you know in that top three range where you're you're very close to being back to form. And I think you know you bringing up where year in and year out you have to adapt. I think Jim Curtin's one of the best, if not the best, at adapting and and changing things on the fly. And we saw that. In particular, last year, where you know things weren't going their way, they make a couple of moves, and the offense starts to click when the the weather gets warmer, and they go all the way to the MLS Cup. Yeah, he's a. I think he's he's a very very good manager, and I, I think he's good at dissecting and analyzing. And listen, like they had a lot of games. I, I think we we talked to about how hard it is to prepare and plan when you have to worry so much about midweek games. And I think now it's not necessarily coincidence that since they've been out of the Champions League and out of and listen like be nice to go like deep in in like the u.s open cup and things like that and i'm yeah personally i, I would like to see the union be in those things and and mm-hmm. they got it they've been a little unlucky the past few years with some of those you know a little bit has been you know what you might call like schedule losses and things like that but you know i i would like to see them progress um at least in, in the domestic cups a little more champions league making it to a semifinal is great yeah like I, I really don't think that's anything to to, to besmirch but I don't think it's a coincidence either that the union's results have picked up since being out of those competitions. I think there's just a, a, a world of difference between having to prepare for two to three games a week than, you know, as opposed to one, it, it is, is just a big change. So over the next, uh, let's see here in terms of just their matches that they have upcoming with the next safe, you know, next five, New York city, Charlotte, they're kind of, you know, bubble teams right now. Charlotte is the nine seed New York's 10, uh, Montreal, San Jose, Orlando City, and then Inter Miami. That takes you through the month of June. How do you see things uh, shaping out record-wise for the Union? Yes, yeah, so, I mean they, like you said, they have winnable games here. You know the, the the teams that they're playing are not what I would say like the absolute cream of the crop uh, of MLS. Um, it was actually interesting too because they released the like salary uh, that that each team is is paying out and two of the the highest spenders in the league are two of the worst teams in MLS this year with, uh, with Toronto and LA galaxy. Uh, both those teams probably going to be finishing at the very bottom of the league. You need to in the, I think like the bottom seven or eight spenders. Um, and you know, when you just consider the amount of success that they've had, uh, over the last few years, despite that is, is really impressive. Maybe that means also we should consider spending a little bit more money, you know, like if you're spending league average, you know, you wonder if maybe this team could, could raise a precipice, but yeah, like a, a lot of the teams are playing, you know, are, are sort of a, at the bottom of the conference. And so I, I think winning three out of five is is a, a good mark to hit, um, you know, and that would obviously lead you to a really, really impressive run of form over the last few weeks if, if you continue on in that, that kind of shakeup. And um, yeah, I, I think three out of the five for me is like the benchmark for this team o- over the next few weeks. Yeah, I was going to say, if you can go three, one and one, you know, probably throw a draw in there one way or another, just some unlucky opportunities and then... Um, you know, if you, you can take care of business against kind of the quote-unquote lesser competition that you have on this schedule going into, you know, the, the dog days of the summer, that's going to be, I think, a, a huge, you know, step forward for this team to kind of bouncing back, like you said, you know, the, the early season having both MLS play, Champions League play, U.S. Open Cup, like, it's a, it's a lot on your plate, um, and I think now that they're kind of 
figuring out what their actual schedule is uh, in terms of just preparation and, and who opponents will be. I think that's been a big benefit for this team. Because I, I think we forget, too, like, for the most part, there's still a lot of young dudes on this team, too, that are kind of yes. just, you know, learning to, to play together for the first time. Yeah, it's it's it's... You know, we expected, I think, the same starting lineup, and we've seen, like, definitely introduction of, like, more rotational players this year, and that was obviously going to be a big thing. But, yeah, I, I still think, um, again, too, when you're trying out a new formation like they have in the last few weeks, there's going to be a little bit of new understanding of your role and how you fit in within the team. So have to keep an eye on that. So we'll see what goes down with the Union over the next couple of uh, matches that they have upcoming. Um, but from the Union to... A finale, Matt. It is the Survivor 44 finale tonight. It's brought to you by our friends over at Tomahawk Shades. The best small batch eyewear in the game. Guys, the sun is out. It's it's beautiful weather. Memorial Day is here. you got to protect your eyes when you're outside with Tomahawk Shades small batch sunglasses. And when you're inside watching Survivor, uh, you should be wearing your Blue Light Plus glasses from Tomahawk Shades. They also have prescription lenses available if you need those. Uh, they're providing a quality product for a fraction of the big eyewear companies. They look great. You'll be styling and profiling all summer long. You'll be protecting your eyes indoors uh, from those harsh blue light rays. Uh, you guys can go to TomahawkShades.com. They've been rocking with us for three years now, and, and they're the best in the game. Um, and when you fill up your cart with sunglasses, blue light glasses, everything in between, uh, use code USP for 25% off your order at TomahawkShades.com. That's code USP for 25% off at TomahawkShades.com. Matt, this past week leading into the finale, Jamie voted out at the last tribal council, leaving our final five as Jam Jam, Carson, Lauren, Heidi, and Carolyn. Yeah, and... uh the the Tika three and making it to the final five is is really impressive, and I mean you're you're guaranteed to see at least one of them at the final, and I would put if there's only one of them, I would put them as the favorite in, in a final mm -hmm. three, right? If it's if it's them, Lauren and Heidi, um, I think any one of the Tika three and Lauren could win. I do think Lauren could like make an interesting case. Heidi, I I don't want to completely count her out, but um, I just I don't know that I. I I don't know what her explanation for her decisions over the last few like weeks have been exactly. Um, I'm not totally like sure what her strategy has been. And, you know, she talked about how like Danny was her biggest ally, but she was like voting against him. Mm -hmm. at yeah. Like it just, I, I'm, I would love to hear, you know, kind of her thought process, but I f it just feels like, you know, through everything else, we haven't gotten that completely. Um, yeah, I think Jam Jam has to be considered the favorite just because listen, like he's controlled the vote a lot. He's been the centerpiece of the season a lot. Like as, exciting and fun as carolyn has been and she's also been good jam jam has been very good too and has been like the guy running the show so if i think if he makes the final three it's hard for me to see anyone beating him like i, I really think he's someone that if i'm any of the other four remaining that i would like to see going home and i think people also recognize that jam jam is good at the game and is running the game um, and he has made it known too that like listen if i don't want you around you go home. Like he is, mm -hmm. he has talked a lot about that. So, um, yeah, I think that's impressive. And Carolyn, I, I don't know if I, it's hard to tell, like whether or not people, how seriously people take her or not. And, and if they actually think that she's like a, a good player or not, I do think like the last few, like especially the last few episodes when she saves Carson with the right, all right. Like people were like, Oh, she's like here to play, you know, like right. I, I think people have been more aware now, but um, it's always hard to tell and Carson I think is going to have to tell a good story because I you know part of his game has been a little more under the radar and some of the relationships he's built with people so I think he's gonna have to tell that story and Lauren I think is have to talk about her like perseverance and the fact that she has had to constantly kind of adapt in this game yeah, like those are the stories I think that that they're all gonna have to tell uh you know to to, to win a million dollars was it a weird flex by Carolyn to kind of just start like dishing all the tea about uh idols and who had what and when things were found I, f I felt that like very like anti her game i think she's i think she might be a little frustrated like at and she has been at certain times this season where i think one she says things that are right and smart and good observations and people don't take her seriously enough mm -hmm. and i think too like you know she's i think aware that she might be having a defender case at a jury and it's good to not all of a sudden that the jury be like competent you know it's good to show or like 
lay the groundwork before then like hey like i know what's going on like i'm not an idiot and i i'm like aware and i've been an active player this entire game yeah it's going to be interesting to see um uh, you know who are the next two voted out um if you had to place a responsible wager on on who walks away as survivor 44 champion i think it's just, i I think it's Jam Jam I, again because I he's the most confident. I think that if he gets to a final three, is winning. Um, it's about getting there, of course. But um, yeah, if if I was if I was gonna just place a wager on anyone, it would be Jam Jam, and I think he'd probably be odds on favorite. Yeah, I saw something when I was clicking to go to uh, the cast. He is the the favorite to win going into tonight. Um, I think wild card is Carolyn though. Carolyn for sure. Um, you know, and it, it's hard to because like listen, we've gotten a lot of them on our screens all season. So, you know, like, um anyone remaining I, I think has has at least a decent chance. Of course, if you're in the final five, like of course, but um the only one I would be like what is if I do one? I, yeah. it's because I, I just haven't seen it and I again, maybe she gets the final tribal and it, it all makes sense to me and makes sense to everyone on the jury, but um, it does feel most likely it's it's someone from uh, from Tika Tribe walking away with a million bucks. If I'm not mistaken, if Carson wins, he's the youngest winner ever. Yeah, I mean he's been spectacular. Like when you consider that, especially in recent history too. Like in the last few seasons, we've had really young contestants, mm-hmm. and it's been a little bit of the you see like uh, Xander get to the end, and it seemed like he just didn't have the, like emotional maturity to understand yeah. like how to sell his game, and also that he was maybe like not as well loved and like he just maybe didn't read the room well enough um so it'll be interesting to see if Carson finds himself in a different situation because it does seem like he's been very aware this mm-hmm. year because the uh since the change to the 26 day um format the youngest is Marianne who is 24 yeah Carson 20 that'd be pretty crazy see ya 20-year-old walk away um, with the win, but, you know, we'll see who uh, who gets added to the list as it'll be – they'll be joining pretty talented winners, I'd say, across the board from Marianne, Erica, Gabler last season, um, and then we'll see who ends up winning Survivor 44, and this is the final uh, season for the time being of 60-minute episodes where in the fall we go to 90 minutes um, – don't know how much that'll change the the course of action for um, the show per se. I don't know if that adds anything to it, but very excited to uh, to get more Survivor content going into uh, the fall. There, be sure to follow at Buffs and Snuffs on Twitter and follow us on the socials at Underground PHI Twitter, Instagram, Facebook.com slash Underground Sports PHI. Uh, twitch.tv slash underground sports PHI. Follow Matt on Twitter at Matt Castorina. Follow me at KBIZZL311. Subscribe to the podcast feed on Apple, Spotify, wherever you get your podcasts. Leave a five star review. It really does go a long way for helping the show continue to grow. Helps more people find Underground Sports Philadelphia. And uh, be sure to subscribe to our YouTube channel, youtube.com slash at Underground Sports Philadelphia. We're on that road to 600 subscribers now as we surpassed 500. Uh, By the time you're listening to this, we are at 503 subscribers. So keep it pushing to get to 600, 700, 800, 900. And obviously we have some big things planned for when we get to 1,000 subscribers across the network. So be a friend, tell a friend, youtube.com slash at Underground Sports Philadelphia. And this show, as always, presented by the City of Vineland. And the City of Vineland Municipal Calendar features city-organized, city-sponsored, and city-affiliated events that are of public interest. The calendar, which is accessible at vinelandcity.org, is a good way for residents and visitors to build awareness, remain engaged with city government, and participate in local events. You can also follow the City of Vineland on social media via their Facebook, Instagram, LinkedIn, and YouTube pages. Through these tools, you can stay connected to the community and get important announcements about programs and services offered by the city. Find the New Jersey where it's always growing season. And big thank you to Maine Auto LLC, Security 21 Security Systems, Paul J. Gillespie Incorporated, and the Dental Wellness Center of Vineland for their continued support of this podcast. And be sure to get your merch at phiapparel.co. Use code UNDERGROUND for 10% off any and all merch orders. This has been episode number 536 of Underground Sports Philadelphia. Next week, we'll have DJ in studio. He will be here 
as uh, we have NCAA lacrosse championships and uh, next weekend Premier Lacrosse League underway. So Deej will be in studio for the next uh, week and a half or so. So very excited to have him here. Uh, but until then, we're getting the heck up out of here and we are signing off. Peace.